Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 835. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 96. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We'll continue on with Psalm 96 right after this message from our sponsor. Did you know that the Salvation Army not only provides services to those in need, but we also produce a network of Christian podcasts you can listen to on your favorite podcast store? One of these shows, Words of Life, is a 15-minute weekly show featuring interviews, testimonies, Bible studies, and more. In April, we'll once again hear from author and pastor Natalie Runyon. She has created a new six-week discipleship course for women to talk about community, women in leadership, accountability, and more. We want discipleship to be what's drawing people, not bounce houses. They're more likely to come back and not just to be entertained. Even in me, you know, making him have to pry it from my hands, he was still saying, but I have something better. It was because of the redeemed saying so, of telling the story of what God had done. When we point people to him, they're going to want to know him. Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit wordsoflifepodcast.org. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Psalm 96 may sound familiar. Psalm 96 starts like this. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens... Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So this psalm is obviously a psalm of praise, and we'll see as we get towards the end of the book of Psalms, and I'm not sure how far I will do in this study. I am not currently promising to go all the way through to Psalm 150 in this go. We might break it off at some point and do another study and then come back to this sometime later. But as we get towards the end of the book of Psalms, we're going to see more psalms like this that are psalms of praise. 
And one of the things that I think is important about the songs of praise, these psalms of praise, is that I think praise is more difficult for us to do than thanks or supplication. As we're praying to God, it's easy to ask for stuff. I think it's not quite as easy, but relatively easy to thank God for things. But it's hard to remember to praise God for who God is. And that is what this psalm does. This song talks about God and implores the whole world to sing to God, implores the whole world to raise their voices in praise. And one of the reasons why I think we do singing in church is that singing is one of the easiest ways to praise God. And there's something wonderful about singing just in terms of what it does to the singer, what it does to the congregation, to lift our voices together in that fashion. No matter what your particular style of music is in your church service, I tend to go to a service with a contemporary music. And so we've got drums and electric guitars and bass and things like that. You may go to one that has organ and hymns and such, but it's more important what we're singing and who we're singing to than the particular form of music in terms of theologically. And so sing to the Lord a new song. And so the psalmist who is writing, in fact, a new song, and this is what the psalmist does as the psalmist writes songs, and the psalmist is not just writing a new song, but telling the world to sing a new song, to sing something different. And I think about that as singing something different than the song we always sing. And there are times in our lives, and I don't know if you're going through one of these times or not, where it is a good thing for us to break out of the habits of the things we always say and to say something different, or maybe to break out of the things that we sing and sing something different. I think of that in relationships, how many of us fall into our scripts especially when the relationships aren't going well and we bring up that thing that has annoyed us for years and we bring it up even though it may not have happened today, but as long as I'm mad at you, I might as well be mad at you about everything. And sometimes it's important to say things differently, to start a new conversation, to write a new script or sing a new song. Sing to the earth, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. It's not just a Sunday thing or a Saturday thing. If you happen to be Jewish here and you were one of the original people who got this psalm when it was fresh off the presses, as it were, except there were no presses. And basically to sing a new song every day, to wake up every day with a song of praise on your lips would be something to strive for. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. That this is a story that deserves to be heard. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. And what the psalmist is saying here when he says all the nations are idols he's basically the saying the same thing as the prophet Isaiah, for instance, of, you know, you cut down a tree, you take the log, half of it, you cook your supper with, and the rest of it, you turn into a God. You know, there's, there's no God there. There's just wood or there's just metal. And it doesn't have the power to save you different from this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this God of Exodus, this God of the patriarchs, this God that the people of Israel are singing to here, who is to be feared above all gods. 
But the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Like they made the heavens, I like, but splendor and majesty are before him. There's something cool about those people who can think poetically and write poetically, whether they're writing songs these days or psalms back in those days. But this idea that as God is walking through life, as God is walking through his creation, that splendor and majesty are before him. I just have picture these, I don't know what, clouds of splendor and majesty as he's walking along. And of course, I'm personifying God, and I know that I am, but it gives me some idea of how to think about these things. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. When we talk about sanctuary, we're talking about the throne room of God. And we think of sanctuary like a a church is a sanctuary. But the ultimate sanctuary, the ultimate safe place, is that place where God dwells. And that is what sanctuary means, right? People used to go into churches if they had committed a crime and claim sanctuary. You may remember the Hunchback of Notre Dame story at least the Disney version, maybe when you were kids, but splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. I don't know how often in your day you ascribe to somebody or maybe you attribute to somebody, similar word, where you are basically saying that the characteristics of this person, or in this case, the characteristics here of God are the following. Subscribe to the Lord, tell the family of nations what the attributes of God are, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. So tell about God and what is due him, that God is due praise because of the glory of his name, that God is not that God is glorious. And glorious is one of those interesting things. We talk about glory and it's a tough word to get your head around, but I think of the story in Exodus where Moses says, Lord, when you pass by, let me see you. And God says, you can't, you die. And he says, well, what we'll do is I will pass by and I'll let you look at my back. And even with just that glimpse of God from behind, as it were, the face of Moses is changed so much that he needs to wear a veil because people can't behold to see Moses's face because of the because of the reflected glory of God. The Shekinah is the Hebrew word, the 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 glory of God. In the same way, if you think about how bright the moon is at night, the moon is just reflecting light from the sun, although we can't see the sun, we can see the moon at this particular point. That's the same way with the people of Israel and Moses. They were just seeing the reflected glory, dimmer than the real glory, but it gives you a sense of what it is. So the glory of God, the Shekinah. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The splendor of his holiness. Splendor, I think of things that are fancy, but splendor here is more like you're standing at Yellowstone, you're standing at Yosemite, and you're seeing all that God has made, this wonderful splendor. 
But it says here, even more splendorous, even more beautiful is the holiness of God, that God is uncorrupted and incorruptible, that God is perfect in his judgments, unlike us where we fail, unlike our leaders who are fallible. Tremble before him all the earth, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And so again, we get that sense of God, the judge, God, the judge. And the reason for that is God who is going to put things right. But judging people with equity, with, with fairness, there is no way to bribe God because God has everything. So unlike a corrupt judge, like Jesus talks about in the New Testament, God will decide things based on what is right when his day of judgment comes. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound, and all that is in it. This picture of all of creation rejoicing, well, what are they rejoicing about? Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. I don't know if you've ever heard trees sing. I'm not quite sure they sing in the way we do, but I certainly have been in the forest when there is a beautiful melody coming there. But what are they singing about? What brings creation joy? Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. So all creation is rejoicing that God is coming as judge. Now, that may be a day that we dread, the coming of God as judge, the judgment day. But all creation is yearning for this day that things are set right, where the people who have been put in place as the stewards of creation, us, are rewarded or punished based on how we did. And you could see why creation might have a bone to pick with us sometimes and might be looking forward to the day when God sets things right. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. God is righteous. God is right. Everything about him is correct and he doesn't have shadow in him. And also he is faithful that God has been working at bringing his people to him for centuries, for a millennia, and has a plan that he is working out and will be faithful and is faithful. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. 
If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.